Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Let's go to Proverbs. I want to share a passage of scripture with you today that has been critically formative in my life, uh, throughout my life, even before, long before I knew it. And I want to share today from Proverbs chapter 3. I want to talk to you about Jesus, the wisdom and word of life. The new year is a season of endless goal setting, is it not? Uh, We have goals, we have plans, we have words, we have uh, uh, proclamations, we have uh, resolutions, whatever it is that you call it, however it is you structure it. But what I want to encourage you in today, that whatever you do, you bring it into full submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in this new year for your life. And friends, I want to encourage us as we begin today that knowing God's word is not the same as walking in godly wisdom. And I want to encourage you today not to be satisfied with an intellectual knowledge only, but let it empower and equip you to move fully into a relationship of walking with God. We see most adequately what God desires for us in Genesis when it says that God came daily in the evening to the cool of the evening with, uh, in the garden to walk with Adam and Eve. God created us for a very specific purpose to be with us. And his desire through his word is to reveal himself that we might enter more fully into that relationship with him and walk daily in his wisdom. And so knowing God's word is not the same as walking in that wisdom. Surely it's the beginning, the threshold through which we enter in. But walking in godly wisdom means holding all of who we are in submission to his ordered steps. That's what Proverbs tells us. We make our plans, God orders our steps. How many of y'all had your plans interrupted this last year by the Lord? By divine interruption, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I can tell you from my life and the life of so many that I have had influenced me, our plans are almost always not fully God's plans. Surely we see in part, but not the whole. But he sees perfectly and clearly. And that's how he wants to guide us. We may not know what 2019 holds. Surely we don't. Somebody claims to, get away from them. But my prayer is simply this, that we will be faithful, that we will live walking in godly wisdom with Jesus as the center of our life. Here's what I want to walk away with today, that Christians walk in godly wisdom when Jesus is set as the consuming center for all of life. 
Here's what we understand. If we approach the scriptures as it is revealed to us in the Bible, we come to this book of Proverbs long before we know who the person of Jesus Christ is. And we hear about this wisdom from God. If you track the theme of wisdom throughout the scriptures, you will find that it is the wisdom of God that is ultimately the power of God that creates, that sustains, that holds all things together. But you will most importantly see that it is Jesus, the Logos, the Word of God, who is God's wisdom. He is spoken to us in the word. He is incarnated among us. He inhabits us by his spirit, those who trust in him. And because of that, he is here with us today. He is with us every day. There is never an instant of our life when we've placed our faith in him, when he is not abiding within us. And he is here to lead us into the wisdom of of God. And what I want to encourage you with through this passage today are simply six words to center your life on Jesus and to walk in God's wisdom in 2019. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. Six words to center your life on Jesus in 2019 and to walk in godly wisdom. Word number one, is your seatbelt fastened? You're going to need it. Obedience. Obedience. Aim for obedience in all things to cultivate a heart of joy. This is what Proverbs begins by telling us in verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Centering your life on Jesus begins here. And I'll tell you why. It's not that we are to forget, it says, but rather we are to remember and to tune our heart to his teaching. You see, a relationship with God is not absent of knowledge. It's not absent of intellect. It just doesn't end with that. That what we come to know 
of God, we come to learn by experiencing it with God. That's why he begins, my son. That those two words are so powerful. You, you could say to that, my child, uh, my love, what, whatever that frame of reference would be, but it's a relational reference. And so the writer of Proverbs is, is, is imploring us to, to, to be drawn into this relationship to the Lord. Now, this word that he uses, the word teaching we understand and often receive, the second word we often want to forget, commandments. Commandments is not that kind of word that conjures up warm and fuzzy uh, uh, feelings of, of intimate relationship, right? It, it's when you think, give me a first word you think of when I say relational overtones, obedience, commandments, right? No, it doesn't. But that is the way in which Proverbs, the writer of wisdom, is speaking these things. God's commandments do not constrain us. They set us free. Because they are given in love. They are the righteousness of God. And it is in the righteousness of God that is placed on us through the death, burial, and resurrection and life of Jesus Christ and his ultimate rule and reign through which we have that freedom. And it's not a freedom just to go and be and do as we please or we want, but rather the freedom to receive the abundant life that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Just as a loving father, the proverb says, or mother would instruct their child, God's word brings life within us to the full because it is a living word in Jesus Christ. And so centering our life on Jesus begins with obedience to his commands to walk in godly wisdom. And what the writer here shows us is the true nature of obedience. And this is where we get obedience wrong so often. When we talk about obedience and what commands are all about, we so often reduce it just to a performed action. But that's not at all what Proverbs teaches us here. Obedience is all about. Look at verse 2. What does he say? He tells us, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. See, he, he implores us to let your heart keep my teachings and my commandments. Because the word of God is not written as a task list to produce. It is written as a relational letter. It is written upon our hearts. It is written to our hearts. You see, obedience is not first and foremost about the actions of our life. It is first and foremost about the inclination of our heart. And when we hear the commandments of God, we can know whether obedience is our first aim or not. Because if it strikes us as, well, I don't know that I like that, Lord. Or if we receive it as from him, reveals the way we perceive God's word to us. You see, obedience is not about performance, friends. It's about the posture of our life before God. Are we living in submission to King Jesus? And obedience begins with the surrender of our life to Jesus. Aiming at right performance for God without a heart that is postured for God is always pointless. Your greatest production of obedience in your own strength, as Tim Keller says, is a damnable good deed. 
because it further reinforces your ability to accomplish your own righteousness absent of the person, the teachings, and the work of Jesus Christ. God never wants from you a perfectly checked off to-do list. What God wants of us is a heart that is submitted to him, that is ready to obey, that is ready to say yes before the commandment even comes, so that when it comes, it is received in that way. And what, do, what must we do? He says, let your heart keep my commandments. In other words, there is a, a tuning of the heart that must take place. And, and I'm going to date myself a little bit. For, for some of you younger folk in the crowd, there used to be a thing called radio. Not Spotify or Pandora or any of those things, but it had a dial on it. Like you turn, you have to use your fingers to turn it. You couldn't just talk to it. And it was the most gosh awful sound as you turned it through the static. You don't even know how bad dial up was. You don't even know what dial up was, do you? Wow, how old am I? But until you found the frequency upon which a station was tuned, your ears were bombarded with noise, chaos, and clutter that was the most irritating. And what the, what the Proverbs are saying to us here is that if we don't tune our hearts to the wisdom of God's word for our lives, we will be bombarded by the chaos and the noise, the clutter that fills our life. Maybe from the static of feelings and emotions that are conflicted or the noise of hurried thinking, but we must move through all of that to dial in to what God is wanting to say to us. Don't just read the word to feel to fill, excuse me, your head, but read it to hear from God. Let your heart keep. Dial it in so that it receives from God and he is filling you through the hearing of it. Because friends, hear me, you will only keep in your actions what you love most in your adorations. You will not forsake that which consumes your heart. You will always default to it. And that's when he gives us the motivation for our obedience. It's not just so we can please God, but rather it's so we can experience the shalom of God. That, that all-covering, comprehensive blessing that brings the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that brings the peace of God that cannot be shaken by the storms of the world or storms of life, that cannot move us because God has anchored us. Our life is built upon the rock, and there is nothing in this world that can change that. You see, what the heart cherishes most will always consume its worship. 
And so in other words, let your heart learn the true value of obedience, of true joy and true peace that comes only from Christ Jesus that is absent only of the penalty of guilt. The shame and the condemnation that sin puts upon us. That's why obedience is given to us, commended to us. We are implored to seek it above all else. So often when the heart longs for true, deep, abiding joy, we settle for false substitutes like pleasure. We settle for false substitutes like comfort. We settle for false substitutes like convenience. But friends, none of these ultimately satisfies the heart, even though they may promise it in the moment. They only lead to deception. Many of them lead further into addiction and they subvert true affection with shallow feelings. Joy that is derived in our life without obedience to God's word is always false. It's always deceptive and it is always damaging to the heart even when you don't feel it immediately. Friends, obedience to Jesus is simply put, better. Obedience is better than pleasure. Obedience is better than comfort. Obedience is better than convenience. And when you set your heart, when you tune your heart to keep the Lord's commandments, you are saying to him, you are saying to yourself, you are saying to all others who see you, Jesus is better. Always better. In 2019, refuse for your life joyless obedience and reject false joys. Press into him for complete joy. Set your heart to keep Jesus and his teachings in your life by obedience. That you might cultivate a life full of true and meaningful joy in all things. Well, there's nothing like a heart that is set on obedience to lead to this second word. Look at verses 3 and verses 4 and what we will see is that the second word we are given here is love. Love. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. A heart that is committed to obey will quickly see two things and learn these things. Where it is that our true love resides and what it is that is holding that love. When you desire to obey God, you set yourself out to have your heart purged of the things that claim to be God and yet do not prove the same. You know, the Bible tells us that the greatest commandment and the second are like it, love God and love people. Is that not true that all the commandments are fulfilled in these two? And yet it sounds so simple at first until you begin to what? Try and do it. You have your devotion time in the morning. Lord, I want to love you and I want to love people. And then you get up and go into the kitchen and there's your family. And already there's been a moment, right? Especially if it's Sunday morning. I know. You get in the car to go to work. You don't even get out of the neighborhood before you're having problems already, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what the day holds, a text comes, a call comes in, whatever the case may be, it can quickly remove 
simplicity from loving God and loving people. Can it be this hard? Yes, it is. Some want to claim to love God, but they have little love for people. While others claim to love people, but they have little evidence of God in their life. Proverbs is telling us that true love for God is always married with faithful love towards other people. Faithful love that adorns our life with godliness is found in these two things, devotion and mission. Friends, if you want to understand gospel-rooted, gospel-motivated love, it's always found in this devotion for God and mission to love people with the love of Christ that's been put upon you. That's why he says, bind these things around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. If you go back to Deuteronomy, this is the essence of the law. The great Shema Israel, the, the, the qualifying mantra of the nation of God's people was this, to love God and to love people. And everything you do, write it on your doorpost. Impress it upon your family table. Do everything that you do in such a way to never forget this. Talk about it constantly when you're walking along the path with your children, when you put them to bed at night, and when you get them up in the morning, when you sit with your spouse, when you are fellowshipping with your friends. Keep it with you. Do not let it escape you. And here's what Jesus says to us. Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you not think he had this in mind? That, that the yoke we put on when we take on Christ Jesus is the yoke of loving other people, not out of our own ability, but out of our own having been loved. Jesus removes the heavy burden of doing for God and he places upon us the acceptance and approval from God that we might be able to let God love through us. And that means our only real task is living ever more in greater recognition of the way God has loved us so we never forget and we always strive to live it out. Love for God that ignores people and love for people that neglects God's commands are always and only false and deceptive. True love is devotion and mission, loving God and loving other people. You see, devotion to God anchors us in his steadfast love as the priority for our life. It's essential to grow our love for God, prioritizing our time in his word, in prayer, and in community, and fellowship with other people. This is the Christian's priority in life, but it's not our only activity. You see, love for God leads Christians to demonstrate that love to others. And this is the mission, friends, of the gospel, how we live as we've been loved. So do not separate devotion to God from his love expressed through you to people in the world. With the same intentionality we impl- that we plan our devotion to God, Christ followers should give that same intentionality to planning our love for other people. Mission. Christian, you have heard this before. You are the beloved. That means that you know the greatest love of all. You've had that love placed upon you. You live in that love and you cannot find its end as you give it away freely to all 
people. Live as you've been loved to engage others with God's love. Well, as we move to word number three, we look at verses five and six. And in verses five and six, we respond to what we've already learned of Jesus in order to trust him completely. That third word that I give to you today is trust. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust to develop and cultivate in your heart a full dependence upon God in every area, in every way, at every level, in every manner, in every expression, trust in the Lord. That word for trust there literally means to press. This is the bench press of the Christian life that we press our life ever more fully into Jesus Christ, into who he is, into what he taught, into what he did for us, and to what he has given to us and is leading us in by his word. Trust means to press. Don't respond to God's commands with speculation or with hesitation, even when they're hard, friends. It's not that doubt won't arise, but that doubt arising is not the issue. It's when we entertain it. And we begin to think that it might have more merit than God's word has merit for us. Press beyond that into him fully. Whatever competes with God's commands in your life, cast them off at every source. Cast off its influence that you might trust in God without hesitation, without reservation. Listen, friends, you cannot and you will not ever trust God too much. You won't ever be the coyote that runs out over the, 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 um, the, the chasm of the Grand Canyon and realize, oop, I just outran God. It won't ever happen. You feel like it will. God calls you to do something. He's leading you to do something. And, and you go, but God, man, if I go that direction, I don't know that I'm going to find you there. I tell you, God's been there and he's come back to get you, to call you, to follow him. You will not outrun God. You will not outreach God. You cannot outtrust God. God always rewards by outperforming and outdoing any measure or manner of trust that we place in him. That's what Ephesians 3 tells us. He is the God that does inconceivably and unimaginably more than we could comprehend. So when that inkling of doubt arises, you can snuff it out because it's always deception. It's always false. I can't pass these verses without mentioning my parents. These five, verses five and six of Proverbs three are my father's life verses. And every time he went on a trip or went out of town, he would write all of us children a letter. And at the bottom of that letter, he'd put Proverbs three, five, and six. Verses that, that God impressed upon his heart and life. And the example that my parents have set for me has shown them to be true time and time again. Even when I looked at what they were doing and went, man, God, I don't know about this. I don't know that I could ever do that. Mom and dad, I, I wonder if you would be satisfied with this. 
If in your relationship with God and the way that you followed Jesus, would your life being given for this one purpose to point your children to Jesus relentlessly be enough for you? The longer I've been a father, the greater I appreciate my own. Not only my parents, but my grandparents and my other family who pointed me continually to Jesus. And the more I've said, if that's all I could do with my life, I would be glad to do it. Just so my kids would never turn to the right or the left and think because of me, something was greater than Jesus. A heart that is set on keeping God's commands and that is consumed by God's love, lives to pour itself out for all of God. You will never rely on God and find him inept or unable. And as you rely on him for your needs, your wants, your desires, your provisions, your passions, he will bring them all into alignment with his will, and he will satisfy them in ways you could not have imagined. And you will not conceive. You will always lean one way or the other in one of two directions. You will lean on self or you will press into Jesus. What will you do in 2019? I can tell you this. If you choose to hesitate, you will always move to me. You will lean to self. Pressing into Jesus, trust in the Lord with all your heart is an intentional action. It's not something that takes place without thought or effort. Press beyond what you know of him because there is more of God than you've yet to see or learn. Press beyond what you can see And know that he's calling you there. Press beyond what you can imagine to trust completely on God. Trust Jesus by pressing the whole of your life and heart into him. And then as we prepare to press into Jesus, what inevitably happens? Fears swell. Fears swell, but they are only bloated deception. Look at verses 7 and 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. How many times do you get up from that chair where you've just prayed with the Lord? Your heart is so excited about what God has said to you and what you believe God wants you to do. And within the hour, there has been more fear and anxiety directly surrounding or competing with that very thing than you could have imagined when you were sitting there. Let me tell you something. The reason verses 7 and 8 follow verses 5 and 6, God gets that. God gets that. God gets that better than we got that. He knew it was coming. That's why he's already given you the word trust. Obey, love, trust. And when those bloated Hollow deceptions appear to be greater than they are. Remember this word. Fear God first. 
Fear God first. When fears arise, chaos ensues. And so often, what does our mind do? Instead of remembering the teachings of Jesus, so often we think this, well, gosh, if I were doing the right thing, surely it shouldn't feel this way, right? Listen, every time I go to the gym, it feels that way. And they tell me that's the right thing. So I stay away from the gym. I don't feel that way at all anymore. But I know that's not the right thing. This is the only way to respond to fear. By not following our feelings and, 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 and remembering and keeping his teachings. Be not wise in your own eyes. Listen, do not trust your own wisdom. You will fail you. Do not be content to be victorious with less in your own strength. That will be a victory that will fleet and defeat you. Do not fear the loss of some pleasure that stuff says it can bring. Do not be content to only please others. Reject the fear of people that drive to be liked and only accepted. Do not be content to remain near evil. It will always deceive and destroy you. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Confess a complete dependence on God. Fear is normal. The issue is not whether you fear. The issue is who and what you fear first and most. Fear God first. You'll have no other fears that you'll have to live in subjection to. Refuse to fear God and you'll live with a fear of everything that challenges you. That's an intentional choice that you must make. Let that growing, consuming, holy, reverent fear consume you. It is the only fear that builds and benefits your life and will not deceive or destroy you. Verses 9 and 10. How do we do this? How do we take these steps? Our fifth word for the morning is the word stewardship. Stewardship. Express honor to God in the tangible ways of life. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Honoring the Lord with your wealth means he is represented through a faithful proportion of that wealth. The regular, systematic, and generous giving of this faithful proportion shows that you're trusting him not just in that one gift, but in all ways. And so honoring the Lord with wealth through a faithful proportion testifies that he owns it all and he has entrusted it to you to steward it for his glory. But honoring the Lord with your wealth also means that we give God not just a portion, but the first portion. Because he is not only worthy, but he is worthy above all. And first and foremost, worthy. Honoring the Lord first with our wealth testifies that we trust him for all of the remainder of our life. This is why stewardship is so important. And these verses occur here for a specific reason because the stewardship of life reveals the true measure of all that proceeds in relationship with God. All is meaningless chatter and hollow words until it produces real action that demonstrates that love. There is no true love for God that's not faithful in stewardship and how we steward our life to honor God reveals what we believe about God for our life. Let me tell you something. You have a decision to make in 2019 with your time, with your treasure, and with the talent of your life. 
Will you waste it? In other words, offer it up for things that won't even produce anything, totally wasting it. Will you spend it? Will you expend it on things that might bring a fleeting pleasure, that might bring a momentary uh, goodness to you, but at the end of the day, when you look back, or at the end of the week or month or season, you can remember what you spent it, and you can remember that it was good, but there is no lasting value. It's spent. You can waste it. You can spend it. You can invest it. Let me tell you the thing about investing. Investing means intentionality so that when you walk away from it, it may not remain with you, but what it did for you and to you remains a blessing in your life. You see, that's why you can lay your head down at night and go to sleep and rest because Jesus is still on his throne and you're investing that time to rest. That's why every dollar spent, every hour given, every energy expended, is invested, whether you're resting, laboring, recreating, or whatever the case may be. You're not wasting it. You're not just spending it. There's intentionality to invest it and say, God, all of this is yours. It's all yours. I want you to be honored through it. And finally, our life will be most challenged by this final word, verses 11 and 12. Persevere persevere. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. As we strive to walk in daily in godly wisdom, we learn this, that we often fail. I learned this. Maybe you don't. I learn it. But the Lord never fails us. He's always faithful. And Proverbs exhorts us to persevere in godly wisdom by delighting in God in all things especially and even when it's discipline, when trials, when hardships come. You see, the Lord's discipline in our life and the Lord's discipline on our life is proof of this one thing, of his love for us, of his love for us. When you feel it, when you experience the wisdom of God, if you want to walk with God in his wisdom, with Jesus at the center of your life, you receive it, and embrace it because the Lord reproves those he loves so that he can delight to build us up. God's working. God's working. And his work is bringing his righteousness from up on you and from within you to be the full you. Receive it and give thanks. Six words. Obedience. Love. Trust, stewardship, persevere. That's five. I missed one. Fear. It's in there. I hope and pray that your 2019 is as blessed as it's ever been and even more. Make your plans. Let God order your steps. Christians walk in godly wisdom when Jesus is set as the consuming center for all of life.